Hey everyone, Pastor Joe here. Welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. I am excited to be sharing with you the latest sermon in our generosity series, Our Money Story, as we are focusing on the ways that God invites us into God's money story. Uh, Last week we talked about remember. Today we focus on this word release, and we're drawing from Deuteronomy chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 11, uh, listening for how God might be calling us uh, to release the ways that society expects us to have relationship with money and to live into God's money story. Uh, check it out. So it was uh, 2003, and uh, I was in Saltillo, Mexico, with a joint team from uh, East and West Ohio annual conferences. It was a, a week-long service trip with uh, many projects related to construction, Uh, We built stalls for the bathrooms, we painted classrooms, we uh, handled minor repairs, we mixed and poured cement uh, for the common area. And on that final Sunday we were there, we we visited a church uh, for the, it it was was, uh, our final worship service with the whole community gathered. And it was on the actual uh, 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 cement that we had poured, and we were all there sitting on folding chairs, and we were, we were preparing to experience all that God had in store for us. And so we sang, and we danced, and, and we prayed, and after the sermon, we, we sang and danced some more. We were singing of God's faithfulness and the wonders of God's glory. And as we all caught our breath, as we all found our seats, The pastor looked out in the congregation and said, are you happy this morning? And we all said, yeah. Said, are you glad to be worshiping God this morning? Yeah. Are you smiling this morning? And we all said, yeah. He said, keep those smiles on your face. Reach into your pockets as we prepare to give back to God. We chuckled. And then everyone did it. People marched and danced down the center aisle, bringing their gifts to God. Later on, we had an opportunity to have dinner with this pastor, and and we asked questions, and we connected, and we shared concerns, and and one of the questions was, you know, why did you introduce offering time the way that you did? Do you do that every Sunday? And I remember he he responded pretty matter-of-factly. He said, you know, my people, they don't need the reminder to give. They need the reminder to give with joy. And he said, giving should not be a burden, but for a way for us to fully embody the identity of becoming a disciple. That phrase stuck with me ever since, this idea of fully embodying the identity of becoming a disciple. And what I learned from him and and what I continued to learn and continue to understand is that becoming a disciple means also understanding our relationship with money, right? We all have our own money stories and yet society has such an unhealthy relationship with money that we try to keep money separate from everything else. We don't allow for even conversations about money into the fabrics of our lives. We forget that while money cannot be the only factor in our lives, money is a part of our everyday being. And that our relationship with money is part of our human selves. It's part of our holistic health. It should be part of our spiritual lives. And so as a reminder, see, money and possessions are, are some of the most 
uh, common topics in scripture. Jesus talks about money more than faith and prayer, something like 25% of all the parables in the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke are about money or include some reference to money. And so if we draw from that, our money story, therefore, is a spiritual story. And I think we have to start thinking about it in that way. And that's what this series is going to be about. See, we're, we're framing and reframing our money story, our individual stories, as well as our collective money story so that we are more aligned with God's money story. And what I mean by that is that the story is one that is liberating, inviting, transforming. This is how we relate to money as a way for us to continue to live into who God is calling us to be. And so last week, we, we touched on this idea of remember, and we, we turned to the story of the Israelites in the wilderness. Uh, they're on their journey out of slavery in Egypt towards God's promise of freedom, and in remembering God's faithfulness of daily providing manna from heaven, day by day feeding the Israelites sustenance. We too can be free from our mindset of scarcity, and we can live into God's story of abundance. Today we're going to look at this word, release. And we're still with the Israelites, and we're now in Deuteronomy, and we see that there are these phases of their collective identity, and we see how these phases shift. We start way back in Egypt. They go from a people generation after generation enslaved in a foreign land. They're calling out to a God who they don't think is hearing their cries. And then they turn to a generation that is absolutely and totally dependent on that same God as they journey through the wilderness, right? So phase one, they're in Egypt enslaved and then they rely on God in total uh, and absolute dependency. And now they're in a completely different situation. They're they're done journeying through the hardships of the wilderness and they're safely and comfortably in the land that God had promised. They own land now. They have power now. And they're trying to figure out how to live into this new life, this new society that they're shaping and building for themselves and it's complicated. It's messy. And still they go on with their lives trying to be faithful to God who delivered them from slavery and journeyed with them through the wilderness providing manna daily even to that day because, you see, in their commitment to be faithful to God, God provides for them not only food and water to quench their thirst, to fill their hunger, God also provides for them these laws on how to live, how to act how to be in relationship with God and with each other. So much so that most of Leviticus and much of Deuteronomy is a remembering of these laws, these attempts at creating order and morality for this new society, and something must not have been working. 
Something must not have been working. Something must have been off in the ways they were living because we go through all these laws. It includes the Ten Commandments and and these requirements for obedience and on and on. And God still feels the need in chapter 15, what we read this morning, that every seventh year you shall grant a remission of debts. And more than that, all the text after chapter 15 launches into more sets of laws. How to conduct court, the rules of warfare, dealing with captives, the boundaries of property. Chapter 15 is in the middle of laws and laws and laws and more laws and laws and laws. And I wonder if in the midst of all of these legalisms, God knows our human nature and our human brokenness. God knows that we would prioritize ourselves before community. God knows that we would use the laws to take advantage of rather than to protect. God knows that we would rather ignore the needs of our community. God knows our brokenness. And so God says, every seven years, you will forgive the debts of your neighbors, of your community. You will forgive so that power cannot be consolidated. You will forgive so that you will not disempower. You will forgive so that you do not dehumanize one another. Reverend Carol Root says that this, this clean slate every seven years ought to help the Israelites keep seeing each other as mutual caregivers, always belonging to each other and always able to help one another as God helps us. She says it's pragmatic and honest, calling out the temptations before they even happen, being tight and hard-hearted, resenting those in need as though they are taking something away from you. This idea of being tight-fisted. If you were on a Zoom call with me over the past few weeks or so, chances are that you experienced uh, my face or my audio lagging or choppy. Uh, frozen in time. There's been some funny screenshots, pictures of my face caught in a weird uh, mid-sneeze even. Um, Don't send me those. I have my own sense of vanity as well. Um, (laughs) And maybe it wasn't just me. Uh, Anyone in the area who's supported by Xfinity, uh, you might have experienced the your internet connection is unstable syndrome. And we have had our fair share of winds and rains, but but do you ever notice that it's during meetings when internet is unstable? It's never when my kids are watching Pokemon or Blue's Clues. (laughs) Well, last week I was on a call. It was a monthly call for the group of pastors and church folks, laity, who are preparing for General Conference. General Conference is the highest decision-making body of the United Methodist Church. And, and of course, in the midst of this global pandemic, our denomination has been delaying this gathering, this gathering that happens every four years. And we're not sure when this meeting will be called next. 
as our world continues to navigate uh, vaccine equity, availability, access. But, but, but still, this, this group of folks, I think there's about 16, 18 of us, we still gather every third Thursday on Zoom uh, to check in and to, to share updates. And for some reason, that night in particular, I, I couldn't get on. I tried keeping my video off. I tried signing off and signing back in. I tried a different wireless networks in my house. I tried borrowing from my neighbor. Eventually, I had to restart my modem, unplugging it, and I count to lucky 13 before I plug it back in. And as I felt myself getting more anxious, more annoyed at how long it was taking to get back connected, I, I received a text from my delegation chair that, that simply said, don't get too frustrated, do what you can. And I immediately responded, I said, how do you know I was getting frustrated? Question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark. And she said, just a guess. <laughs> we later connected, she and I, uh, so that I could get any information that I had missed. And we talked about the struggle that it is to let go of the things that we cannot control, including the expectations that we place on ourselves. That too often we let the standards of what society deems as the better way, the, the right way, the correct way to have hold on our lives and therefore we lose sight of what God is actively doing in us and through us. And I think the same goes for money. Because our text, while it talks about forgiving debts every seven years, it really is about the relationship that we have with money, with God, and with one another. You see, we spend our lives working and working and working to get more, to gain more, to earn more for what? To buy bigger things, to get better things. Because that's what society tells us is how we're supposed to live. And, and I, I think that God in this text says to us once and for all, no more. You can work for six years. Work hard to earn all you can. Make a living. Acquire what's best for you and your family. But on that seventh year, you will stop, you will rest, you will remember God's promise that there will be no one in need among you because of God's abundant blessings so you can let go. You can release. Yes, release the debts that you hold, but more than that, release all the components of your money story that keep you enslaved to the desire for more, the, the shame of not having enough, the constant churning without rest, release. I wonder if we're not being called into a different relationship with money. One that's not holding on to shame and anxiety, greed and guilt, not holding on to the burden of being defined by money and what we have or don't have, but one that is of wholeness, one that is of freedom, one that is about the possibilities of what God can do and is 
doing, might we live into that promise? And might we not rely on society's promise that possessions alone will save us? We might release all that we carry so that we can transform our lives, transform our relationships, transform our conditions towards God's preferred future of community, of belovedness, and of belonging. Amen? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this time together, for an opportunity to be connected together in community, online and in person. God, we pray that you would grant us the boldness not only to remember your faithfulness, but take that next step to release all that we carry, the things that define who we are, the materialism and the sense of worth that we tie to money. May we release those things, for we know that you are one of abundance. And so inspire us, we pray. It's in your holy son's name. Amen. All right, that was part two of our Money Story Generosity series. Uh, We will continue the series for two more weeks uh, with Pastor Kristen preaching next week. I'm excited for that as she focuses on the word reimagine. Um, This week, we'll also be dropping another episode uh, later on as we continue our conversations on how we see the world through a lens of faith. Uh, Stay tuned for that on Thursday. Uh, Have a great start of the week, and we'll talk to you soon.